Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Our role has changed that our office has gone from, besides the city service, it's also gone into a little bit of a social service office as well. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. And with us today is Mayor Lori Lightfoot, City Council Floor Leader, Alderman Gil Viegas. Gil, how are you? Hey, good morning, Fran. How you doing? Okay. First of all, I need to know, how did your wife's hair come out? You told me <laughs> earlier in this week. It came out you about as, to- as good as it can be for the free 99 that I charged her. Okay. <laughs> you charged <laughs> 3 dollars you, you told me that your wife, like I, needed a hair coloring and that you were drafted into action. Did she yes. order the uh, dye online? Did she have trouble getting it? And how did you do? Yeah, she, she did. She did uh, uh, order it online and it took a little longer than anticipated than regular, uh, given the, uh, the demand uh, for that product. Uh, but when it finally arrived, I was uh, tasked with uh, uh, making sure that the hair was looking well. And so put the gloves on and uh, went went to work. And how did it come out? It came out about as, as good as it can be. And so we're hoping, we, we're waiting for the, uh, the stay-at-home order to be lifted by uh, the governor. And hopefully as uh, we begin to flatten, as, as we're, the curve is being flattened, we, and it starts to go down, hopefully um, some of the uh, hair salons and other businesses that are currently being impacted can open, obviously, with practicing social distancing. I take it she's not filing for divorce. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and you did wear rubber gloves, I hope. Did I did? I I, I was very uh, I was watch I was reading the uh, instructions carefully because I did not want to mess up. Yeah, and you know the dog groomers are going back into business under Governor Pritzker's revised executive yes. order. I was trying to figure out whether they could do my hair. What do you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> I doubt it. So how has your job changed through all this? How does an alderman do his job while staying home? Well, actually, um, it, it's we're operating a virtual office. And so um, I have my staff um, and, and we have the phone numbers and emails, social media, everything's being done virtual and remotely. And uh, what some of the requests that we uh, typically dealt with obviously when the office was open was more related to city services and, and, and doing follow-up. Uh, but under this uh, situ- current situation that we're, that we're under, 
we've have to we've had to adapt and do, do a couple of other things. And so we have a bunch of seniors that live in, in our ward, just like everyone else. But we've we've um, gone to grocery store and pick up uh, groceries for seniors. We've gone to uh, Walgreens and CVS to pick up um, medicine for for some of our constituents. Uh, we've uh, we've delivered uh, masks and hand sanitizer. Uh, so, so to date, um, we've we've called over six thousand uh, residents and had communication with them about checking in, checking in on them, and making sure that they're doing well, and making sure that as this pandemic is impacting everyone, making sure that the most vulnerable are, are getting some type of assistance. And so that's how um, our role has changed. That our office has gone from besides the city service, it's also gone into a little bit of a social service office as well. And are you making these deliveries? Are your staff doing it? What's happening? Yeah, so um, we, I have my staff um, doing it as well. Uh, all hands are, all hands on deck, uh, Fran. So if uh, all of a sudden there's a, a huge uh, spike in demand, then uh, I'm not. I'm not above uh, jumping in my my vehicle and, and making a delivery. And so, uh, I've I've made a couple of deliveries to the 16th uh, district and the 25th district, uh, where we where we fed um, all three watches uh, one day. And then uh, I have a hospital in my ward, and so uh, we provided uh, dinner uh, for the entire hospital. Uh, we've um, been able to secure some uh, PPE equipment from um, some companies and, and we made sure that we delivered it to the hospital as well and our first responders. So uh, it's it's all hands on deck, man, uh, friend. And the Hispanic community has borne a brunt of this disease. What are you doing about that to get the word out? Yeah, so um, the numbers have been underreported just because of the fact that the the undocumented, it's just sometimes hard to get a hold of them. So what we've done is we've actually had, um, we're actually uh, have some working with our community partners um, that are all that have always been on the ground and, and they've, they've been identifying uh, certain households that need assistance, uh, whether it be uh, PPE equipment, whether it be food, whether it be uh, any type of, any type of assistance. Uh, and, Given the fact that the majority, uh, there's a super majority of folks from the Latino community that are essential workers, uh, making sure that they're educated um, and well-versed on when they come back from their job, how to uh, make sure that they're not contaminating uh, their family, making sure that they're, they're, they're taking the clothing that they wore and making sure that they're cleaning it. Uh, again, it's just about educating everyone, and that's what our office has been doing, either via phone, uh, social media, uh, or via email. Are you concerned that because these numbers are underreporting that we're going to see a spike? No, I, I, I think that when you try to average it out, you can. Um, it, it's it's underreported, but I think that um, I don't think we're going to see a sp- spike. Um, but I just, I just Among Latinos, that, I mean. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. You will see a little bit of a, of a spike. Yes. Um, cause they're just underreported. And so our job is to, uh, every, every elected official's job is to make sure that we're educating our constituents, um, 
to the, to the best of our ability and making sure that they understand uh, how to deal with this uh, current situation, COVID-19 that, that we're in right now. Now, we're speaking before the city council meeting, take two, where Mayor Lightfoot is seeking expanded contracting and spending authority through the pandemic. There has been considerable pushback on this. It's going to pass, but what do you attribute the pushback to? Is this been building on other things and now it's come to a head on this or what exactly is the reason? I, I, I think that the initial ordinance that was introduced um, was uh, a little overreaching and, um, and, and just as checks and balances, uh, those discussions uh, with the administration and the mayor saying that there needs to be some, this, this is too far. And so as a result, you saw a compromise come out um, and it did water down um, some, of the, some of the powers that were initially introduced via the first ordinance. Um, so it's just, I think communication is, is key. And so it's just a matter of making sure that, uh, that the IGA, the Intergovernmental Affairs, uh, as well as some of the senior staff in the administration is, is um, communicating with uh, some of the aldermen. Um, and I think, I think that's what it was, just a breakdown in, in communication. And I think that as a result of that, what we, what we saw here is that there'll be further um, dialogue with the, with the legislative branch. But there is considerable pushback to the notion that the mayor alone should decide how to spend this enormous amount of federal money that's coming into Chicago. Something like $550 million easy initially, even with uh, before of these other waves of stimulus money. Why should she alone make those decisions? Um. <laughs> Well, it, it's, it provides some temporary authority to the budget director to appropriate some of this emergency related funds to address specifically the COVID-19 cost only. It's only related to the COVID-19. Um, it also grants uh, temporary authority to the budget director uh, to establish some new funding lines and, and transfer funds within a, within a, a department uh, to address COVID-19. Um, there's going to be weekly reports. There's going to be all types of transparency uh, related to this. And I think under this, pan under this pandemic uh, and, and this emergency, uh, she, she needs to, the administration needs to have that flexibility. But minority aldermen, uh, particularly the Black Caucus, wants to make certain that Black contractors in Black mm -hmm. businesses in a community that has borne the brunt of the deaths and the illnesses, get their share of this money. They need it. They need to come back. Well, how and, did and, they get I, that? Yeah, and so with the weekly um, reports, um, we'll see uh, the budget. The the chairwoman uh, of the budget committee uh, is going to be forming a uh, subcommittee that will uh, be 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 talking with the administration. Um, to take a look at what's being forecasted and what's being appropriated uh, on top of the weekly report the budget director is going to put forward. So as uh, this is as real time as we can get. And so worst case scenario, if there's appropriations or expenditures occurring and there's not that participation, uh, whether it be in the African-American community or a Latino community, um, 
we will be one week behind and be, have the ability to um, uh, question the budget director and let her know that that's a concern of ours. Now, that, that being that being said, um, that, that the budget director and the administration understand that 32 members of the city council are minority, and that and that is a huge concern. Making sure that we do um, have some representation uh, in, in the contracting, and so uh, I, I um, we're going to make sure that there's some diversity there. But there are also groups like this right to recovery group and some of the handful of aldermen who are backing them who don't like her priorities on this stuff, who want her to spend more money on housing, who want her to provide more relief in those areas of need. What about that? Well, well as as um, as these weekly um, meetings take place, uh, we'll be able to map out where the dollars are going. And if we see that there needs to be some movement, then the legislative body will bring that concern up to the budget director uh, and um, have them begin to move uh, those funds in a, in a, in a way that um, we're, we're protecting the most vulnerable. Now, earlier this week, when a handful of aldermen exercised their parliamentary maneuver to delay consideration of this emergency powers ordinance, the mayor immediately adjourned the meeting and then a few hours later lashed out at these aldermen as a bunch of selfish grandstanders who are putting their own political agendas ahead of public safety. Does that help the situation when she does that, when she isolates and lashes out like that? No, what, what I, I think what, what, what happens is, um, you know, this is a, a very, um, this is a, a very, we're in a unique situation here where uh, there's lives um, that we have to save here. And so sometimes it gets, it gets a little, um, I don't want to say emotional, but it's, I want to say that it gets, it's, it's um, you, you think about um, the need that we need to get things done quickly. And um, you know, the legislative branch has the ability to, to, to make these uh, deferred publishers, uh, it's their right. I mean, I, ha I have no concerns with that. And I think that um, communicating with the, the legislative branch, uh, it's just, it's just going to be key. And I think that um, with IGA uh, and some of the senior staff with the administration, the communication is going to be a lot better. So that way, a lot of these discussions are, are uh, done beforehand. And, and we're not always going to agree. Um, the legislative branch is not going to always agree with the executive branch. And as a result, the legislative branch has that right uh, to vote against the measure and uh, or defer and publish as, as, as was done on Wednesday. And I, and I would suspect that the same folks that deferred and publish uh, will, will not support the ordinance today. And that's fine. That's their right to do that. Um, but I, but I, I think I think it's just um, very. Um, it's just trying times right now. There's a lot of pressure uh, and we just want to make sure. Uh, that communication is, is is ongoing, and we're going to see a better we're going to we're going to see better communication moving forward. But does she make your job as floor leader more difficult when she isolates and lashes out that way? Uh, if you're asking, do I have to make a lot more phone calls uh, to speak to my colleagues? Yes, um, but you know, I, she's she, you know the the, the mayor uh, has. 
the, the residents of Chicago's um, interest uh, front and center. And she wants to make sure that, uh, that she's advocating for funding from Washington, D.C., making sure that the Illinois delegation in, in Congress understands that we need some funding. Uh, and so it's it's just a lot of pressure. This is this is uh, you know, being a mayor uh, of the third largest city is not a, not an easy job. Um, but the the fact that um, the communication is going to improve is something that um, is going to make my job a little bit easier. I think that the administration, some some of the uh, senior staff in the administration, the communication is just a little lacking. But we're we're, we're going to fix that. Do you sometimes wish you would count to 10? <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes, um, yeah, it's, it's it, but that's just, that just demonstrates how passionate the mayor is about, about, about the city, about the residents, about this job. She takes it very seriously. And um, sometimes it's just, it's just a little frustrating when, if, if politics comes into play there. Um, you know, this, this uh, you know, being an alderman sometimes is 90% politics, 10% policy. So what we want to do is we want to um, put the politics aside and really focus on the policy and making sure that uh, we can get through this pandemic uh, with, with as little lives lost uh, and making sure that uh, as we begin to recover in the economy, uh, that we're also having the ability to, to to change how businesses are going to transform, just not downtown, but also the neighborhoods. Right, and you're in this recovery task force. Uh, you're you're in the group that's going to talk about how to do it regionally. What yes. do you expect to do in that role, and what kind of a recovery are we looking at, and how long is it likely to take? Yeah, that's. Uh, Man, I tell you, I've, I've, um, we are uh, going to start some meetings um, next week. I have my staff that's going to be um, working on and taking a look at uh, some best practices. I mean, this is this is so this is so unique. It's 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 scary, but we, we're going to look at it as a way to transform uh, this economic recovery uh, and take a look at how to focus uh, on the neighborhoods. I know that. Downtown is 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 going to do well, but the neighborhoods is where uh, I'm going to be focused on. Um, and then regionally, uh, working with uh, some of the other elected officials that are on that on that uh, task force, taking a regional approach, uh, making sure that uh, the most vulnerable uh, businesses um, and the most vulnerable employees um, that we're working with them and and kind of putting forward some. Um, some best practices for for, for to, to make sure that we're investing in these communities. So it's it's a little. I guess we just got named named yesterday. I got we're gonna start doing some meetings next week, so it's a little premature. But I'm glad that this task force was put together um, right now because as soon as we get out of this, we have to make sure that there's a plan in place. And so we want to. That's why we want to get to work as soon as possible. But you have said if we blow this, we'll be set back for another generation. What yes. are you most afraid of? What are you most afraid of? Well, as the as the economy as the economy uh, has been changing for the past uh, decade, where there's a lot more online uh, shopping options. For example, I mean Amazon 
uh, you could get anything from Amazon right now. And so how do we incorporate technology, uh, something that I've been a big proponent of, making sure that technology, Chicago becomes a tech hub. Uh, you know, the governor has stated that uh, we want to become the, the Silicon Prairie uh, of, of the Midwest. And that's something that I, I wholeheartedly support because there are thousands, tens of thousands of jobs and business opportunities within the technology space. The technology uh, companies and success that we've realized thus far, in my opinion, hasn't been as intentional as it should be. And if we can double down on investing in technology and really making Chicago uh, a tech hub, uh, we're going to be able to create thousands of jobs. We're going to be able to uh, increase our population uh, and give, and we're just, we're perfectly situated for that, but we need to be intentional on how we roll out that plan as relates to technology. So technology is something that's going to be, I'm going to be focusing on a hundred percent because there's a lot of opportunity there. And uh, I'll be working uh, again with some of the folks that I've assembled within my uh, tech working group uh, to take a look at how do we make sure that there's jobs that can, that can trickle down into the neighborhoods. What about the city budget? For a while there, the mayor kept saying how well positioned Chicago was. And then more recently, she's admitted that it's going to be an enormous hole and that she wants reimbursement from the federal government, which she has not gotten yet. The stimulus uh, waves that we've seen do not include reimbursement for lost revenues to municipalities. How big is the hole in the city budget and how are we going to fill it? Yeah, so... Um we just wrapped up the first quarter waiting for numbers to, to see how they come in. Uh, January and February were, um, are not going to be in uh, January, February should not be impacted. I think mid March is when I think March 18th is when the, uh, the governor's uh, stay at home order went into place. And so right now it's, uh, April 24th. So we're a month past the stay at home order. So this will be the last, month of the first quarter and two months of the second quarter um, that will be impacted. So really it's a whole quarter. Um, so we're waiting to see what those numbers uh, will look like. Um, obviously the the, uh, the mayor has been speaking with the Illinois delegation um, to make sure that uh, any any type of stimulus packages, any type of funding that's available at the, at the, the federal level uh, making sure that how important that you know Chicago be positioned to, to take advantage of some of those opportunities if they if they come about. But that's what they're that's what they're doing right now. Um, that's what the mayor's office is doing right now is making sure that we're in constant communication with the Illinois delegation um, because we 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 have to make sure that um, the funding that comes you know we're we're a donor city donor state and so as we Money goes to D.C. We're not getting our fair share back. Uh, and we just have to make sure that the Illinois delegation really advocates for, the, for that funding. Right. But it's not coming. It's There is opposition on the Republican side to any more money directly to municipalities and states. So mm -hmm. if we're on our own to fix this, other than the wave of money we've gotten for the response, how large is the hole and where is that money going to come from? I mean, you suggested yeah. before we ever knew how large this problem was going to be video gaming and, and legalizing that what, how large is the hole likely to be? The governor says the state hole is something like 2.4 billion with a B. What is the city's hole and where are we going to get that money? Yeah. Um, I, I, 
again, I'm, I'm anxious to see the first quarter uh, numbers uh, to kind of find out what that impact is going to be. So it's a little premature. Obviously, we're going to we're going to have a, uh, a deficit there, um, and we're going to have to find out and work together to kind of find out how we're going to fill that right now. Um, yeah, this is can been, a property tax increase be avoided? Uh, we're actively monitoring, you know, the expenses and revenues uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, right now, our priority is just getting getting through this emergency and protecting the health of the Chicagoans, particularly the, particularly the most vulnerable residents. Um, the more that we can support the the economy uh, during the crisis, the better position we are for a speedy recovery. But I mean, look at the real estate transfer tax. The mayor had counted on the legislature to approve a graduated real estate state transfer tax with an increase on high-end home sales. Now the housing market is dead because of this. So there's going to be a hole and she's not going to get that, but she's also going to have a hole in the real estate transfer tax that she was counting on just generally without the graduated part. Yeah, there's not a lot of activity uh, occurring in Springfield right now, and and there's a, a lot of our initiatives are on hold right now, um, including the casino. So we're going to be pretty much on our own in that way to solve this problem locally. Yeah. No, and and, and? yes, yes, uh, we are going to. Um, we're not going to be alone. We're going to obviously uh, count on. Uh, work with the uh, with the governor as well as our Illinois delegation uh, to try to find some some funding. So it, this in, in DC is very fluid right now, uh, and, and and DC can get things done uh, when they want to. And I know that uh, Senator McConnell um, has has floated some some crazy ideas um, about bankruptcy. And, uh, but yeah, about bankruptcy. I mean, look at the the, the priorities there. I mean, we'll bail out. We'll bail out uh, corporations, but uh, you won't help out uh, states or cities. It's, it's backwards here. Um, but that's just um, it's just the how what the atmosphere is in Washington D.C. right now. And um, so, do you have any local ideas other than video gaming and allowing that in Chicago? No, I, right now, right now, I do not um, because I've been focused on. Uh, just making sure that we can get through this pandemic and how, 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 what's, how's the outcome going to be um, and how, um, how the, what type of opportunities could potentially come out. I mean, there, there'll be some new jobs created out of this, out of this uh, uh, pandemic. Um, we got to find out what that is. And uh, on, on a regional scale, we'll be, I'll be working with the task force to kind of identify um, some opportunities. And then there's other, there's four additional uh, working groups that will be um, focused on on their initiative, uh, and then we'll work real quickly to to try to put a plan in place. Um, it's it's a tough it's a tough time right now, Fran. I'll say, and we're almost a year into the Lightfoot administration. What have we learned about Lori Lightfoot through this crisis, and how she's do how is she doing one year in? Um. What, what we've learned is, um, what I've learned is that she's very passionate about the city. Um, just, like, just like all, um, all elected officials, uh, all 50 aldermen, um, we're all passionate about the city and 
we all represent our, our communities and our constituents. Um, and realize that she puts Chicago first. Um, and you can tell, you can, you can see that by the way that, again, uh, working with the Illinois delegation in DC, working with the philanthropists uh, to, to try to you know, demonstrate and have them uh, take a look at how important Chicago is to them uh, and then make sure that they're giving back to the city as well. So I, she has some great big ideas um, and um, what, 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 we've, what we've learned is that uh, as long as the legislative branch is uh, abreast of some of the ideas that are coming forward, uh, it makes it a lot smoother to get things accomplished. And again, I'm, that's and I'm talking more about the uh, the admit the senior staff making sure that they're uh, talking to uh, aldermen uh, in, in the legislative branch, making sure that they're coming along for some of the ideas and getting input from them, uh, because aldermen are uh, on the front line and uh, they see firsthand some of the challenges that are that are impacting. The communities that they represent, uh, and it's always good to have uh, a lot more opinions and a lot more views in the room, um, and just to get insight. Um, she has argued that because she doesn't engage in the traditional horse trading, I'll give you this if you give me your vote. That that's why some of the pushback is occurring. Do you agree with that? No, I I, I um. You know, early on, um, I mean, the, the 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 discussions that take place, um, the aldermen are the aldermen are the elect the local elected official and uh, see firsthand what some of the challenges are in, in their community, and so it's incumbent upon them to uh, to talk with the administration uh, and some of the sister agencies and making sure that their community is getting their fair share of resources, especially if there hasn't been a lot of investment in them. And so there's nothing wrong with a, a legislator um, speaking to the administration, letting them know that they have some concerns on that. Um, and so communication is, is, is key. Um, if, if, if you're, if you're, a, a, if you're you know, a legislator and you're not uh, bringing forward uh, what's important to your community, um, then you're not representing your, your your ward. So it's important that you do bring this up um, during the discussions. Um, so I think those discussions, again, the communication is going to be a lot better uh, moving forward. It's just everyone's learning. Everyone's different. Every, everyone's learning different styles. There are different styles that people have. So that's, that's what Before this we is. You, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, before we go, how is CPS remote learning going with the possibility that it might have to continue into fall? Yeah. Um, I First of all, I commend uh, the teachers. Uh, they're, they're, they, they do a tremendous job, um, and, and they're – the flexible and now they're also involved in uh, remote learning and some of the um, uh, some of the teachers have kids of their own that that they're also 
not only having to teach a class, but also having to have your child go through the remote learning process. And so I, I just want to tip my hat to, to the teachers, first of all. Uh, it's going as good as it can right now, uh, just like as uh, technology, we're all learning uh, this new technology with, with Zoom and uh, WebEx, and, and uh, we're, all, we're all learning. Eventually, it'll get better, um, but I, we just want to make sure that the kids have the necessary resources. Um, and um, again, aldermen are uh, on the front lines, and they're, they're listening to some of the constituents. And if there's a, uh, a need that comes up that CPS is not filling, I'm sure that they'll bring CPS's attention. Uh, but we're all, we're all learning um, uh, and we're all, and we're all um, becoming flexible on this, on this, on this new, new uh, way of uh, doing business right now. And David Brown, the new police superintendent, took some police officers in one of his first days on the job from the north side, from the northwest side, and brought them into the south and west sides. Did you lose any police officers? No, yes, we did. And I think... Um, How do you feel that about was, that? Well, I think it was a, um, uh, a lack of communication. Again, what, what um, uh, Mr. Uh, Superintendent Brown, uh, being new, uh, did not really uh, in, in enlighten the aldermen about what the plans were for that. Um, now, I'm not, I'm not going to second guess the superintendent. He has decades of experience in policing. Um, but just, just so that we're aware of what's going on so that we, uh, as constituents that are looking at social media or looking at scanners, um, they, they, as long as we know, we have the ability to report, report to our community what's going on. And so the strategy here uh, with the, uh, you know, the two-hour surges in communities uh, seems like a good strategy. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out. But the superintendent mentioned that um, there was, I think it was uh, the other day, there was no shootings and no murders in the city of Chicago. And that, that hadn't occurred in, in quite some time. And so the fact that there are unpredictable surges that are going on uh, keeps the bad guys thinking, okay, um, when, are, when are all these police going to uh, converge in our area uh, to deal with, with some of the crime that's going on. And so um, it's just a matter of keeping the aldermen uh, in tune as to what some of the strategies are. So that way, uh, as we hear back from our constituents, uh, we have the ability to address them um, uh, factually and not, and, not let, and not let social media uh, with the echo effect uh, take control of the, of the narrative. How many officers did you lose and for how long? I, I think it was... Um, so I, my, my word specifically, we have, um, uh, I, I have, uh, the, with the way the boundaries are, I have uh, two parts of two, two districts, 16th district and 25th district. And we lost, uh, I think, uh, 10 from each for two hours. Um, and then those surges, just so you know, those surges will also be moving around. So there could be a point where more officers are coming into 16 and more officers are coming into the 25th district. Uh, as part of the surge. So right now they're obviously focusing on the areas that uh, hotspots identified by the police. Um, and so um, those surges will be moving around, but it was just so for a couple So it's only for two hours then. Right. But it, it's, it's, sporad it's sporadic. So, you know, it's not like, you know, every day at from five to seven, um, there's going to be a surge. It, it, it's a two hour surge that could happen 
anytime throughout At the any day. Anytime. Yes. Okay. Which is, and so yeah. you 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 have no problem with losing the officers for two hours. You just want to know ahead of time that you're going to lose the officers for two hours. Well, we just want to make sure that we have ample resources. So if you're if you're taking away uh, police officers, we have to make sure that there's a strategy in place to make sure that there's there's just coverage. Uh, and there was a couple other other things that uh, a little bit of a shortage was because there was a couple of funerals that took place as well of uh, first responders. And so as a show as a show of solidarity, some of those officers uh, were uh, along the um, uh, the uh, funeral route. And so there was a little bit of shortage there because of, because they were paying respects to their to their fallen fallen colleagues. Um, so so that, what did the that, retired Dallas police chief learn? What lesson did he learn from all this? Well, it's, it's communication is key and, um, we're, we're, we're all partners in this. Um, you know, the, the, um, the constituents do not call, uh, the superintendent, um, they won't call the congressman they won't call the president. They won't call the governor. They call the alderman. And so, which is why your uh, phone is ringing in the background. Gil Villegas, thank you so much for joining us. Keep the rubber gloves handy. I think you might have to color your wife's hair one more time. At least. (laughs) Thank you, Fran. I appreciate it. Stay safe. Thanks for you too. And thank you for joining us. And we'll see you all next week.